Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high achieving 9 to 5er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. Joining me is my guest today Dr. Debra Fryer who is a money mindset mentor, spiritual business coach and creator of the Anatomy of Money system for holistic wealth and well-being. She helps entrepreneurs break through subconscious mental, emotional and financial blocks so they can create sustainable solar aligned six or seven figure businesses with ease, speed and confidence which is without working harder, feeling guilty or selling their soul. Debra is also an award-winning filmmaker, the author of Best Brain Hacks, Turn on Your Tap and the forthcoming Anatomy of Money, Your Inside Guide to True Wealth. In my conversation with Debra today we talk about her personal journey, how she came about into coaching, transforming her own money story and how she's helping transform people's money stories around the world. Because this conversation has been so enlightening, interesting, fascinating to me. It is a really long conversation, so what we've done is broken it down into two parts. So we release part 1 today and you will also have the part 2. follow so i hope you enjoy this conversation as much as i did and learn from it and be touched by it as much as i did welcome to the success with savita podcast i am very very excited to talk to you today dr fryer because i have actually gone and read your story and number 1 9 marathons congratulations i can't even imagine um you know doing nine that's hats off to you on that but also your uh, your journey has been so diverse so different from film making to uh, going into medical school so it's been a really interesting journey so welcome to the show and uh, it's my honor to have you here with me today thank you so much for inviting me you're welcome with that i want to dive straight in because i'm really excited to hear your journey and my first uh, question for you is what made you move into coaching and what brought you to where you are today um from like we said film making to medical school to the coach that you are today what's your story so far i'll try to make this as short as i can I became an accidental money mindset coach. It was the furthest thing from what I saw coming. Uh, I thought, as someone who's very analytical, who's the high achiever, who loves reading, who loves learning, I thought that there was a particular path to making money, and I thought that it included doing certain things according to my conditioning. And in my conditioning, uh, I'm. an american i'm born in the united states and my conditioned model was you're supposed to get a job you're supposed to have a regular paycheck you're supposed to have a certain amount of income that somebody else decides for you and you're supposed to have a certain amount of respect that somebody else hands to you and if you're not seeing this on video i'm doing air quotes around the regular paycheck and the respect and the income there were all these external conditions that i thought i was supposed to have so that i could have a certain experience and 
my experience taught me that that was completely upside down, inside out and backwards. And here's how I learned it. So the short version is that I went to a, a very prestigious university in the United States. I went to Princeton and I completed a PhD in comparative literature. And I loved every minute of it. I loved reading and learning about mythology and learning about how stories change from culture to culture. And right about the time I was completing my dissertation, I attended a conference on women in the media. And it had never occurred to me that I could be a woman in the media. That had never occurred to me. And it, I mean, it's funny to have this conversation now because here we are in a, in a global arena, in a video arena, in an audio arena. You're in India, I'm in Colorado. It never, ever occurred to me that that was even an option. And so I went to this conference on women in the media. And interestingly enough, how timely that we're having this conversation. So at this women in the media panel that I attended in 1993, so that's wow. 30 years ago, we were talking about women and war. And we were, I totally have truth bumps right now. I have mm. like chills on my whole body. We were talking about the power of women in war, the power of women as mothers, as as, as beings who understand the cycles of fertility and destruction because we go through it every single month. Mm. And we were talking about the power that women have to actually stop war. Mm. And I heard this message 30 years ago and something deep in my soul said, I wanna be that. And I'm gonna cry as I'm telling you this because like here we are 30 years round and every one of us right now is wondering, what do we do? How do we help? How do we serve? How do we show up as leaders? So I'm gonna to try to make this really quick because it's, no, not, no, it's not a short story. No, no, time as we need. I want it all. Uh, so I, I met with my dissertation advisor and I said like, how do I transition from, you know, being this intellectual who's going to go forth and teach in a university, which I value greatly, what else can I do to have a, a bigger platform to reach more people, to inspire more people, to lead in a much more global way than just the few students in my classroom? And she said, well, what do you really want to do? And you know, and I immediately started in with all these excuses. Well, I can't do this because of, of my student debt. And I can't do this because of my mom. I can't do that because of my dad. I can't do that because of my dissertation. I can't do that because of, and I listed all these conditions that were outside of me. And she looked at me and she said, Deborah, you have just erected a whole bunch of fences. And I want you to go home for the next 48 hours and fantasize about what is truly in your heart to be. Who do you want to be? How do you want to serve? How do you want to help people? Go home, fantasize. If the editor comes in and says, you can't do this because just invite that editor to sit down and have a cup of tea with you and you keep the pen and you keep writing and then come back. We'll have another conversation. So I came back, you know, I suppose I met with her on a Friday. I came back on a Monday and I said, okay, these are the things that I really want to do. I really want to be a national geographic reporter. <laughs> I really want to be in, in the communications department at the Clinton White House. This was during when President yeah. Clinton had just been elected. And what was the third thing? I really want to be a cultural attache for the Foreign Service. I really want to be a diplomatic negotiator. I feel like amazing that we're having this conversation at this time right now, right now in world history. Yeah. And she said, great. 
let's look at them one at a time. Who do you know? So the first one was, who do you know in the Clinton White House? I actually knew somebody in the Clinton White House who was my babysitter when I was 10 years old. Mm. You know, like we all know somebody. So a great question in your audience, because I know your podcast is about how do we be successful, is who do you know who can help you? Mm. Who do you know ever who loves you, who adores you, who thinks the world of you? Who do you know who can help you? reach out to that person mm. and just share, just brainstorm, just connect because we're all here interconnected to help each other. A rising tide lifts all boats. When you let somebody help you, it feels really good to them to help you. All yeah. of us here are saying, who, how can we help? What can we do? So, you know, I reached out to this person and I said, you probably don't remember me. You babysat me when I was 10. And, you know, now it's, 20 years later, and I just got this PhD and I really want to help. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? And she said, yes, come to Washington. I'll get you into the communications department. So I did that. And then, you know, that didn't pan out. They offered me a job and it turned out it had to be a political appointment, which I wasn't in line for that. So that's fine. That door, it opened and it closed. That wasn't the right fit. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing was, okay, I want to work for the state department. So in those days, you took an exam. I took the foreign service exam. I passed the foreign service exam. So then I was supposed to, again, go back to Washington and have an interview. In those days, a woman had to wear nylons. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to wear nylons. That, that's just not who I am. That's just not a good fit for how I feel comfortable in the world. That wouldn't be a good fit for me. So I chose not to participate in that. So I chose to, you know, withdraw my application. So then the next one was, okay, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to be a documenter of, of history. I want to be a storyteller. I want to be a visionary leader. I want to, you know, be part of who gets to tell the story. Mm. And so that's actually the path that unfolded for me is my mom was in a yoga class with somebody who was a filmmaker for Nova mm. of, you know, which is public television in the U.S. So that's how I became a filmmaker. And I followed that path for 20 years as a filmmaker. And I loved it. I traveled all over the world. I saw many walks of life. I did lots of films about biodiversity. And then there came a path 20, minute, 20 years into my filmmaking career. There, there came another fork in the road, which was how am I going to make money doing this? And mm. that's what led me down the path to medical school. So I want to pause there in case you have any questions or responses, because no. I realize I haven't told you yet about no i'm no i'm fascinated with your story so far i can't wait you you are a filmmaker but you're a very good storyteller and i think your story is so interesting please continue so i got to this place of mm -hmm. i'm making films about biodiversity i'm making films about climate change i'm making films about women and children and animals all around the world and my income was like a roller coaster. When I was on a project, I felt fabulous. I could pay my rent. I felt like I was contributing. And when the project ended, I didn't know what to do. And so one night at dinner, I was having dinner with my husband. And I said, I should have gone to medical school. And he said, why don't you? Powerful words. Why don't you? Why don't you? And I thought, hmm, why don't I? Like, the only reason I haven't done it is because I'm afraid. 
mm, because I don't know anything, <laughs> because I'm not good enough, because it's not going to work for me, because I'm going to fail, right? I had a litany of excuses that we all have. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to take one class. I'm just going to start with biology. Okay. And see how that goes. So I took one biology class, completely fell in love. I'd been teaching yoga for 30 years. I'd been meditating for 30 years. I had a felt experience in my body that I knew for sure to be true. I know it for sure to be true. I know what it feels like to merge with a consciousness that is the creator of me. I know what it feels like to experience the vastness of the universe because mm. that's a regular experience in meditation. But I thought I'm crazy. Mm. Most of the world doesn't operate from that perspective. I thought I'm crazy. How can I teach this when most of the world doesn't operate like that? So I took biology and I discovered, wow, everything comes from the one in biology. It's in our cells, it's in our DNA, it's in every molecule. And here was a physical affirmation of what I was experiencing spiritually. So then I took another class. I took chemistry and I took organic chemistry and I started working in the anatomy lab. And as I got deeper and deeper, literally into the body, I started seeing how everything in this physical organism is mirroring what's going on in our consciousness. Mm -hmm. So... Fast forward, it's now 2013. I've been working in the anatomy lab for two years. I'm on my way to medical school. I've applied to some. I have interviews in a couple. And, you know, I've got a 99% on the GRE and a 3.93 wow. grade point average. And I'm like, I'm super smart. I'm super great. I'm going to be the next, you know, best doctor. I'm going to heal people, la, la, la. And first we had a flood in our town. The room I'm in was completely obliterated down to the foundation, new windows, new drywall. Everything is brand new in here because it was flooded. Mm. The, the root chakra is about the foundation. The foundation of the house is also about the foundation. The foundation of this temple that you live in, you know, is it a solid foundation for you? Mine was rocked. Second chakra has to do with water. There was an an overabundance of water that was a flood, right? That, that, that destroyed this, it destroyed much of our town, it destroyed much of our neighborhood. Plus we ended up about $50,000 in debt and I wasn't working because I was on my way to medical school. So that's second chakra. Then third chakra, that has to do with our personal power. A couple of weeks after this flood that destroyed a third of our house and much of our town, my dad dropped out of a heart attack. One minute he's there reading the news, the next minute, it's like he was a bag of stones that fell into a river. He just dropped his body. Mm -hmm. That was the end. And when you lose a parent, it is incredibly destabilizing. So this is my third chakra. This is my personal power. This, this is, you know, it was so disruptive uh, to my sense of who I am. And my dad died of a massive coronary. The next day after my dad died, and interestingly, his birthday is tomorrow. So perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing. Oh, <laughs> we were meant to be. Yeah, I mean, he's right here right now because it's almost tomorrow for you in India. Yeah. So uh, my dad died of a massive coronary. It was my job to go into the anatomy lab and remove the heart from the cadaver. 
And I wrote to my teacher and I said, I can't do it. I wrote to my, she was my boss. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't. And she said, of course, I understand. You don't have to. And I sat with it in meditation and I realized I can't not see what killed him. I can't not understand this. Mm. So I went in and I took the cadaver's heart out of the cadaver's body. And it was in that moment that the planetarium of my crown chakra opened, the entire universe rushed in and holding a heart in my hands, I realized that the law of everything we know everything we don't know is this it's can it's expand contract fill empty receive let go everything is moving in this fashion the day into night the tide flowing in and out money flowing in and out of your bank account seeds blooming and dying leaves you know coming to fruition and dropping Everything is part of a continuous cycle. And I had completely misunderstood what that meant in terms of my business. I'd been operating my business as if this was all I had to do. And so I just got more and more and more and more and more expansive spiritually. And I was completely ungrounded. I was completely untethered. I was receiving no money for my work because I thought, well, who am I to charge money when people are starving? Who am I to to charge money when I am so much more privileged than other people in the world. I completely misunderstood that it benefits no one for me to eliminate myself from inclusion in prosperity of the planet. In fact, I can do so much more good. I can contribute so much more when I allow myself to be part of the cycle than when I exclude myself. Mm -hmm. I was pulling all-nighters. I was completely depriving myself. I was saying, oh, I don't matter. Oh, you don't have to pay me. Oh, I'm actually not that important. And meanwhile, I'm making award-winning movies. I'm changing the narrative for millions of people around the planet, but acting like I don't matter. I was so confused around my participation in the web of life. And, you know, that moment of holding the heart in my hands changed everything for me. Mm. And I walked out that day and I remember holding the heart and just tears streaming and I like, couldn't even see it, but I could feel it. I could feel the heaviness. I could feel the life force. I could feel how everything needs to be in coordinated interconnection with everything. The heart doesn't do the work of the kidneys. The kidneys don't do the work of the lungs. The lungs don't do the work of the eyes. The eyes don't do the work of the hair. Everything in this system is working together and we're all working together on this planet. Every single one of us matters. Every single one of us has a contribution that is valuable. The fingernails are no less important than the heart. Wow. You know, the part of the body that's making shit is no less important than the heart. All of it is required for our wholeness. Yeah. And I walked out of the anatomy lab. I looked at the aspen trees that were beautiful gold against this cobalt Colorado sky. And I literally spoke to them and I said, how do you do this? How do you transform in a way that's so beautiful, so graceful, so majestic, so awe-inspiring? How do you do this? And they said, watch us, we'll teach you. And I really took that to heart. And I watched the trees and I saw how when the leaves fall, they become the compost Mm. for the next generation. They become the blanket that is supporting and 
and coping and embracing the earth in winter. They, they disintegrate, they dissolve. This is the Kali part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. It is the letting go that is an integral part of opening the door to what wants to come through next. And I let that be my experience. It's safe for me to rest. It's safe for me to not be productive 24-7. In fact, it is a requirement for my next level growth that I not be productive 24-7. It's required that I sleep. It's required that I rest. It's required that I teach my nervous system. Yeah. What does safety feel like? And I brought all of that awareness that I was observing into my body because I realized there's no separation between that out there and what's in here. I'm breathing the universe right now. And the universe is in me right now. If I'm drinking water, that water is flowing through me and out to the ocean and it's rising up as cloud and down as snow as rain, as snow and rain. I'm right in the middle of that. I am every element in the universe and so are you. And it's so humbling to walk as that. A lot of times people say, well, Deborah, I don't want to make money because I feel like it's arrogant. Mm. And I want to invite you to consider that there's nothing humbler than walking on the earth. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Wow, that's such a powerful story. And I think I felt every part of your story as you shared it. So this is where I have a question for you. So during all this time, you also made time to do the marathons. Um, once you, when you held this heart and you had this experience, you never looked back, you never went back into pursuing medical school. You just walked away from it and started the coaching practice. Yes, I walked away from it. And often the universe gives us a gift that feels like no gift. How mm. can this be a gift? So I shared with you earlier that here I am, Princeton PhD, 99% on the GREs, 3.93 grade point average, you know, multiple marathon winners. I think I'm all hot shit and stuff. And I didn't get into medical school. And I didn't get into medical school. And here's another reason why that you and I have a divine soul connection, because the question they asked me at the medical school interview was this, what does success mean to you your podcast is called <laughs> success <laughs> with Samita, right yeah. so you know but the question was what does success mean to you and you know they're seeing me as somebody who's going to be a doctor who's going to heal people la 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 and what i responded what success means to me is being in control of my emotional state what success means to me is peace in my heart no matter what the external conditions are what success means to me is leading as love, leading as compassion, living in peace instead of in pieces. Mm -hmm. I no longer want to live a compartmentalized life. And working in the anatomy lab showed me that the body does not operate 
in a compartmentalized way. And medicine is actually seeing the body in a compartmentalized way. We look at cardiology, we look at endocrinology, we look at the reproductive system, but all the systems are constantly in communication with each other. Mm. And the cardiovascular system doesn't operate in isolation from the nervous system. It doesn't work in isolation from the endocrine system. And it doesn't work in isolation from the respiratory system. Everything is working together. And, and I really understood this at such a deep level. And so that interconnectedness, that unity consciousness to me is the path forward. And it's not the answer they wanted to hear. So they asked me another question. They said, well, what do you think contributes most to the patient having a successful outcome? Mm. And I said, I think it's the story that the patient tells themselves. And they didn't like they that? Said, no, they said, Deborah, did you hear the question? You know, <laughs> what contributes to the patient's uh, success? And I said, I believe it is the story that we tell ourselves. Each one of us is so important. The placebo effect is so important. You know, there are plenty of medical studies that confirm that when the doctor believes in the patient, when the doctor helps the patient understand this body is a self-healing organism, mm. this system is self-healing, that everything is moving us into the channel of our, of our greatness. Everything is life force moving through us and is moving you into the channel of living more fully. Whether you have a disease or not, we're always being moved into the channel of living more fully. There's so many people we know who have received cancer diagnosis who say it is you know, so opened my eyes to gratitude. I feel more grateful than ever. I feel more love than ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not that we would request these diseases, that we would request these challenges, but we discover a level of, of strength, of resilience, of love, of compassion, of kindness that we never knew we had. And I believe that that's why we're here. 99.3%. That's amazing. And what happened next? Because what I want to talk about is your personal journey with money. All of this is happening to you. And then there's the money story playing out as well. Uh, at what point do they meet, they converge, and then you transform your own money story? So what happened next was I didn't get in. I didn't get into either of the medical schools. Mm. I had an interview with, and I was devastated. And I thought, what am I going to do now? I'm totally devastated. I've, I've like, I've left filmmaking uh, or I haven't left it, but I had temporarily paused the projects mm -hmm. I was on. What am I going to do? And so I did what I do, which is I took it to the meditation cushion and I'm sitting in meditation and I was chanting a particular mantra. The mantra is a line from the uh, Guru Granth Sahib, uh, a very beautiful poetic text from the north of India. Yeah. Uh, and the line is Ekankar Satnam Siri Waheguru. And 
what that means ek is from the one creator there is the creation ekonkar uh, satnam truth is the vibration that i identify as uh why guru wow uh, hallelujah amazing the the mm. oneness of all creation i was meditating on this mantra i was chanting this mantra and i began to feel my chakras light up one at a time i could see them i could feel the density of each one and how they were different i could see how the color was different and i saw the map of the chakra system line up on top of the map of the cardiovascular system the map of the nervous system the map of the endocrine system the map of the major organ systems i could see it all in my own body and again the same thing i described in the anatomy lab of the planetarium of the crown chakra opening the planetarium of the crown chakra opened and this entire thing dropped in and it was called the anatomy of money and i thought what you know i was like what i'm meditating on the names own god i'm meditating on this divine sacred text and and i'm hearing the anatomy of money and then i started seeing how everything is a toric field how breath is coming in and out and water is coming in and out and how earth is actually moving through me and out and and how I, the, the entire movie of life is right here on my third chakra and i mean on my uh third eye and and i interrupted myself in the meditation there was a moment where i could see the whole thing and I heard this voice saying, you got to write it down, but you're in meditation. You got to write it down, but you're in meditation. And it was like, you know, I'm supposed to sit in meditation. I'm not supposed to move, but you got to write it down. And I was like, no, Deborah, get out, get out and write it down. So I opened my eyes and I wrote the whole thing down. I drew it all down on my journal. And people started coming to me and saying, Deborah, what are you doing? Like, like instantly everything changed. This awareness that everything is moving through me and I'm moving through everything. Time is moving through me. I'm moving through time. Water is moving through me. I'm moving through water. Breath is moving through me. I'm moving through breath. Uh, this, this, this interconnectedness, it, it, it can't be any other way. I can't not be participating while I'm here in a body. I can't not be included. It, it just isn't physically impossible. It's biologically impossible. How is it possible that I'm not operating according to the laws of physics and biology and chemistry and everything else is I must be part of this great unfoldment that's happening. So I just started sharing this. Mm -hmm. I started, you know, teaching yoga and meditation more than I had been doing before. And people were coming up to me and saying, what are you doing? And I would mm -hmm. say, oh, no, no, nothing. Like I thought it's too weird to talk about. <laughs> I, like mm -hmm. I still got to keep science and spirituality separate. Like the spiritual me is over here, but I can't be rich. They can't be one. And you know, a neighbor finally said, I've been watching you. I've lived next door to you for 10 years. You're doing something. And I want to know what it is. And I, I want you to mentor me. And I said, I don't do that. And she said, now you do. Mm. You know, it was like, she was just in my face. And she was like, I'm not, not going to go anywhere because whatever you're doing, I want to know what it is. I want you to teach me. And so I began to teach about my understanding of spiritualizing the material and materializing spirit and how they're one and the same. Okay. And, you know, spirit is simply energy. It's yeah. everything is energy. There is nothing that is not energy. And when energy gets compressed and compressed and compressed and compressed, you know, you might call it the rainbow, right? It, because color has different vibration, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. We know the notes of the scale have a different vibration. We're quite used to recognizing that you can do a waveform of color. You can do a waveform of music. You can do a waveform of taste. Certain mm -hmm. things are hot, certain things are cool, right? We know this from Ayurvedic teachings. We know this from, you know, rating the pepper on the scale of hotness to yeah. mildness, right? Yeah. 
So as energy gets compressed and compressed and compressed and compressed, eventually it becomes something we call a physical thing. Like I call this my physical body, but the reality of this physical thing is that I am a 99.9999999% space. Mm. I'm more space than I am solid. And our conscious mind is the last to know because our conscious mind identifies with the solid. The conscious mind identifies with the very minuscule percentage that it can physically see, hold in its hand, say, I had that experience, so I know that's true. Well, everything that you can hold in your hand or see right now or point to as if as your physical experience exists in the past. Mm. Interesting. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm yeah. saying it does exist in the past. And I am actually kind of saying it doesn't exist because the only moment that truly exists is this one right now. Mm. So all transformation happens right now. It happens in a decision right now. How do you react to, how do you respond to things that happened yesterday or a week ago or a year ago? I mean, things are changing really fast right now. So it is more imperative than ever that we be present, awake, alert, aware, compassionate, available now in this now moment. So the way it happened for me was I realized my past money story of I'm a starving artist. I can't make any money and I don't deserve it. That'll happen in the past. And if I'm going to change it now. So I just started talking to myself differently. I started rewiring my brain. I use tapping. I use pranayama. I use meditation. I use journaling. I do a lot of shadow work. I dance. I do a lot of yoga. I lift weights. I, I, I you know, I physically pay attention to what is coming into my body. What mm -hmm. kind of liquid do I bring in? You know, I like filtered water. Uh, you know, I am particular about what beverages I consume and what beverages I choose to not consume. In Ashtanga yoga, the first limb of Ashtanga yoga is the niyamas and niyamas. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the first one is this I don't do. It's like, these are my, these are my commandments. This I don't do. I don't trash myself. I don't speak ill of myself. I don't fill my body with toxic thoughts and toxic food and toxic water. Yeah. This I don't do. I don't harm other beings. I don't harm myself. You know, ahimsa includes not practicing. It includes practicing not harming myself. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, so often we think nonviolence is out there, but it starts with you. So, I took this very seriously. You know, this is what I don't do. This is what I do. Mm. And, you know, along this, ar around the same time of me not getting into medical school, well, clearly there was something else that I was meant to be doing, which I'm now doing, right? Yeah. What I'm now doing is teaching true wealth from the inside out, is teaching alignment over achievement. And when we're aligned, achievement naturally follows. When we're integrated, achievement naturally follows, but it's not about the achievement, the result of me every day, deliberately creating the reality that I'm stepping into, mm -hmm. deliberately creating my reaction, deliberately leading with how can I serve? How can I help? What would be most of service? It's with great humility that 
has a byproduct of prosperity. And it allows me to serve in a bigger way, to help in a bigger way, to inspire in a bigger way, to love in a bigger way. Sabita, and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.